welcome to episode 11 of the Rooted Reason podcast. My name is Brandon, and this is the podcast aimed at the practical application of the Christian worldview. And on this episode, we're going to uh, probably conclude our little mini-series on Arminian theology with um, talking about the doctrine of election and um, looking through the biblical evidence um, for election and how clarifying that election and predestination are words that Arminians, Arminians should not shy away from or uh, relinquish to other camps, but they are biblical words that we fully embrace. The main sources we're going to be using uh, for this part of our study is going to be Classical Arminianism by Leroy Fourlines, and then Grace, Faith, and Free Will by Robert Piccarelli, both of which you can find on Amazon and other uh, book retailers. And like I said before, I think it's uh, first and foremost we need to start with the idea that um, predestination isn't strictly a, a Calvinistic doctrine or uh, anything of that nature. Actually, Four Lines writes in Classical Arminianism, I'm going to quote from his book here because I think it's important what he says. He says, predestination is just as essential for Arminianism as it is for Calvinism. If there is no predestination, there is no gospel. Our gospel says that God has predestined salvation for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, and he is also predestined that all who do not believe in Jesus Christ will be condemned to eternal death. So it's something that's uh, it's biblically taught. Predestination isn't um, it's something we can ignore. It's clearly in the Bible. It's clearly biblically taught, and uh, it's something that as our as Arminians, we need to be able to articulate what is biblically taught about predestination. As has been the case with um, all of these topics, we're trying to take something that's been discussed for uh, all of Christian history and disseminate it down into a 20-some-odd-minute podcast. So there's definitely going to be things we don't cover. Uh, there's going to be things that I don't cover in this podcast. Um, but I think that where I want to start and mainly focus is looking at just a few scriptures and what they teach us about predestination, election, and foreknowledge. The first of those is going to be Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And I'm actually going to read it in its entirety um, from the ESV Bible. So starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, and in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Much of what we cover from Ephesians 1, 3-14 can be found in Robert Piccarelli's book, Grace, Faith, and Free Will in chapter 4. Um, he does a really great job breaking it down, and if you have the opportunity to uh, pick up that resource and read it, uh, I think it will richly bless you. But I'm going to do my best to uh, break that down and pull out the most important things that I, I found through it um, for our study today. So what do we see from verse 4? Well, we see a few things. One, that we were chosen. Um, the us being chosen seems to make it pretty clear that it's an indiv- individual selection of people. Uh, secondly, we were chosen in Christ. Now, I think this is extremely important to point out that um, it's a very Christ-centric or Christocentric theology, a very Christ-centric chosen. We were chosen in Christ. Um, a lot of times Arminianism is accused of being very man-centered and focused on man, um, but that's just not the case. Like Arminianism is very much centered on Christ and what Christ has done through his death and resurrection. So in verse 4, again, we see that we are chosen in Christ as individuals. And the other thing that's important to point out is that it's before the foundation of the world. So we were chosen um, in eternity past. And in verse 5, he predestined us uh, for what? To be adopted to himself, to be adopted by the Father as sons. And again, that Christ-centric theology through Jesus Christ. So again, he chose us as individuals. He chose us in him being Christ before the foundation of the world. And he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus. And in verse 6, why did he do these things? To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So he did all of this stuff according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. It has nothing to do with uh, man himself. There's no reason found in man for why God has chosen us, predestined us. It's all by grace. It's all by his purpose of his will and his, and to his glorious grace. It all starts with God. It does not start with man. So the favor we find in salvation is entirely unearned and undeserved by man. It is all by the grace and goodwill and good pleasure of our Father. And the ending of verse 6 says, which he has blessed us in the beloved one. The beloved one is Christ, is Jesus. So again, we see that emphasis on the Christ-centric salvation that we have and the role of union with Christ in that. So he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He predestined us for adoptions to to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And And that glorious grace, grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved one, in Christ. So again, it's, it's Christ-centric, and union with Christ is emphasized again and again and again in these verses. The rest of the verse, uh, verses 7 through 14 take a little bit of a shift. Um, they change from looking at the eternal past and what God had done for us um, by his eternal plan, and it shifts to what those blessings look like in time. So in verse 7 we see, that we have redemption in Christ, and that redemption is through his blood. 
So that's the means of that redemption through his blood. Uh, the nature of that redemption by the blood of Christ is the forgiveness of our trespasses and sins. And the basis of that redemption through the blood of Christ that is the forgiveness of our trespasses and sins is according to the grace of God. And the making known in verse 9, Paul is saying that it's something that uh, this mystery of God is something that natural man can't know um, by his own powers, but it's something that's revealed by God in time through the application of that. That's how we come to know the mystery of his will, um, at least in this aspect. Again, not something we can uh, deduce on our own natural abilities as man, but something that's revealed to us in its application in time. We see that phrase again in Christ in verse 10. So these are all things that God has set forth um, according to his good purpose in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And we see um, in verse 10 that the fullness of that plan is to unite all things in him, being Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, so that we see um, that Christ will ultimately be the unchallenged head of all the universe. Is how Robert Piccarelli explains this verse. So verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. So in Christ we have obtained an inheritance. And uh, a lot of commentators will actually say that verse 11 um, should read or could be understood as saying uh, that we were made the Lord's inheritance. And they take that from, uh, if Paul's referencing Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, if that's being reflected on here, um, that is what is being articulated is that we have been made an inheritance of God. And if we go on, it says, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So again, we see that call back to the eternal plan of God, um, him working all things according to his good counsel, his good will. And so that us being an inheritance of the Lord um, is directly tied to our election um, of being in union with Christ. So verse 12, that those who were first to hope in Christ, that being the Jews, Paul is speaking to the Jews there, um, they're the first to hope in Christ to the praise of his glory, to the glory of the Father. So that was uh, predestined by the counsel of his will, that they would be an inheritance, that they would obtain an inheritance from the Lord or been his inheritance. And it goes on, in him you also, mean the Gentiles, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So you see the Gentiles being brought in to that same inheritance that the Jews who believed had, and all of that is done in Christ, and all of that is done to the praise and glory of God our Father. So what does Ephesians 1 tell us about election and predestination? It tells us election was in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we were elect from eternity past. Um, and it continually repeats uh, the in him, in union with Christ idea and concept. And then predestination is that we were predestined for adoption to God as sons through Jesus Christ. So that's the two things that I think is the most important to pull out of Ephesians 1, um, at least for this podcast and this short study is that our election is in Christ, and it's from eternity past, and that our predestination is to be adopted as sons to the Father through Christ. Arminius writes on Ephesians 1, 
For believers are predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, the purpose according to which predestination is declared to have been made is that of adopting believers in Christ to sonship and eternal life, as is apparent from many passages of Scripture. And Arminius writes this about our election in God. He says, Hence God acknowledges no one in Christ, and for Christ's sake as his own, unless that person is in Christ. He who is not in Christ cannot be loved in Christ. But no one is in Christ except by faith. For Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. We are engrafted and incorporated in him by faith. It follows then that God acknowledges his own and chooses to eternal life. No sinner, unless he considers him as a believer in Christ and as made one with him by faith. The second section of scripture uh, I want to cover in this podcast is Romans eight twenty-eight through 30. Romans eight, twenty-eight through 30 reads, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we see in Romans 8, 28 to 30, that the overall subject um, is that uh, the things of the believer's life work together for their good. Uh, good is um, what God's purpose is for them, so that uh, believers will be conformed to His to the image of His Son, and so that He will be the firstborn among many brothers. Like that is the good, that is the purpose that God is working towards here. Um, it's being worked out for those that are called to that purpose which is the same as those that are loving God in verse 8, or verse 28, sorry. Um, And the order of that working out in their lives that um, leads to them being conformed to the image of of the Son is that those God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, and those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He justified. Those Those whom He justified, He also glorified. So there's typically um, three understandings provided or talked about for foreknowledge, what the, what that could mean. Uh, so one of those is very similar to foreordination or predestination, a kind of a pre-planning um, idea that's tied to foreknowledge. Another one is that it, foreknowledge means um, just simply knowing beforehand. Uh, it's like simple foreknowledge or just simply um, having knowledge prior to. And then the last I'm going to mention is the one kind of more where I land is that foreknowledge um, is similar to and close to uh, the idea of election. It's not not the same, but in that same uh, realm. And it's a, a loving acknowledgement of a person. It's a, it's a deep pre-knowledge of them. It's more than just simply knowing like their future choices or their future actions, but it's a it's a pre-knowledge about them. It's tied to them and it's a, a deep loving connection. So I understand these verses in Romans 8 to be teaching us that 
those lovingly acknowledged as his own are predestined or foreordained for God's purpose. That purpose, namely, is being brought into full conformity to the image of his Son, and that's accomplished by calling, justification, and glorification. So that this predestination um, is not a predestination to be among the elect or to be a Christian, but it's a predestination or foreordination for a purpose, namely for the purpose, again, to be conformed to the image of the Son. And this is exactly the same as the understanding we came of predestination from Ephesians 1. And the predestination spoken in Ephesians 1 is for a purpose, to be adopted as sons and daughters, but that our election was in Christ prior to our predestination. So I readily uh, affirm that Romans 8 or Ephesians 1 do not give us a cut-and-dry explanation that election is conditioned or unconditioned on anything. Uh, They just, it doesn't, Paul doesn't tell us um, in either of those two places if there's a condition or no condition on election. But what we forget from that is that we are elect in the Son, we are chosen in Christ, um, that our foreknowledge, that God's foreknowledge is prior to predestination, And in both those occasions, Ephesians 1 and Romans 8, predestination speaks specifically of a purpose and plan of God to adopt us as sons and to conform us to the image. But being chosen in Christ is prior to predestination, and foreknowledge, a loving acknowledgement as his own, is prior to predestination. I'm taking that understanding of foreknowledge as a prior loving acknowledgement as his own, Arminius comments this as an implicit um, understanding of Romans 8 from Paul. God can previously love and affectionately regard as his own no sinner unless he has foreknown him in Christ and looked upon him as a believer in Christ. And the final um, section of scripture we're going to look at uh, is actually Romans chapters uh, 9 through 11. So, of course, we're not going to cover them uh, in as much detail as we did Ephesians uh, 1 or Romans 8, 28 through 30. Um, just one for length of time and to keep it brief. But we will look at those because those are arguably some of the most important chapters in a study of election and predestination. So for this uh kind of run through of Romans 9, 10, and 11. I'm going to rely heavily on Robert Piccarelli's uh, work again in Grace, Faith, and Free Will. I will say, though, if you're looking for a, a much more thorough um, understanding of Romans 9 specifically, Four Lines' book, Classical Arminianism, has an entire chapter dedicated to Romans 9 alone. It's about 40-some-odd pages, and uh, the overall presentation is very... Similar to what we're going to talk about uh, on this podcast, but that is a resource that I think is invaluable um, to anybody that wants a good, solid biblical understanding of Romans 9. So Robert Piccarelli asked this question in his book. He says, uh, the key passage to understanding the this section of scripture is in Romans 9 verse 14. 
And the question is, is there unrighteousness with God in his treatment of Israel, which includes the present rejection of Israel? And that's Paul's purpose for these three chapters is to answer this question with a resounding um, no. There is no injustice on God's part for his rejection currently of Israel. The concept of an unconditional election of every Jewish person um, to be saved is the background or the foundation for what this what Paul is addressing in, in these chapters. And so um, some Jews would contend that God had unconditionally promised to save all Israel. And so therefore it'd be unrighteous if he failed to keep that promise. And so Paul's addressing that concern, that um, that concept of corporate salvation for all Jews. And he spends time showcasing that being a genetic descendant or a natural descendant of Abraham was not enough to secure the favor of God. Um, that it was actually salvation came by a different way than just a genetic descendant line. Here's how Robert Piccarelli breaks down um, from the main point that God is not unrighteous in his present rejection of Israel. These are the subpoints that he develops throughout uh, these three chapters. He says, God elects and rejects whom he pleases, chapters 9 and 10. Um, he never promised unconditionally to save all the fleshly descendants of Abraham, Isaac, or Israel. We see that in Romans 9, 6 through 13. He is sovereign and has the right to save or damn whoever he pleases, verses 15 through 24. He always made clear that not all of Israel would be saved, verses 25 through 29 of Romans 9. He has rejected Israel because Israel has rejected salvation by faith in favor of salvation by works. Romans 9.30 through Romans 10.21. And in chapter 11, we see that God has not rejected Israel after all. In fact, God has not rejected um, all the Israelites. So any who will can be saved by grace through faith. That's 11, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. The present rejection of Israel opens the doors of salvation for all nations. It's chapter 11, 11 through 22. And indeed, the present rejection of Israel is not final. Israel will yet be converted. Chapter 11, 23 through 32. So in Romans 9, 6 to 13, um, Paul starts with something that the Jewish audience would readily know and be aware of. And that's that he shows um, from the scriptures that God never promised to save all of Abraham's seed just because they descended from him. So the rejection of Ishmael and Esau uh, made this clear, that the promise was never to save every descendant of Abraham. And going on in 14 through 24, we see that um, the sovereign God is the one who determines who will be saved. And since this follows right with 6 through 13, where he's shown that not being a descendant of Abraham doesn't guarantee salvation, it points that the Jewish notion of universal corporate salvation for all Jews um, wasn't true, that God saves who he wills and damns who he wills, Jew or otherwise. So God will show mercy on who he shows mercy, and um, blood descendants doesn't merit or earn or require God to show mercy on anybody. And we see the conclusion of that. Or part of the, the final purpose of that in Romans 9, 30, 31, 32, 33. It shows that sovereign God saves who he pleases and damns who he pleases, again. And he's pleased to save believers. And that the current rejection of Israel um, is because they're pursuing it 
salvation by works or by heritage and not by faith. So if we look at Romans 9, verse 30, it says, What shall we say then? The Gentiles who do not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, did not, to, did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So I take it that Paul is actually arguing against the idea of an unconditional election of all Jews by birth. And in its place, he's establishing that God will have mercy on who he has mercy. And in place of this unconditional election that they thought, he's placing conditional election, the election of believers. It doesn't blame the rejection of unbelieving Jews on the fact that God arbitrarily rejects whomever he pleases, but he blames it on their own unbelief, which amounts to rejection of his sovereign decision to ordain salvation by faith in Jesus. I want to read from a section of Robert Piccarelli here in the book. He says, What Paul says is that the Jacob Esau choice, even before their birth, disproves election by works. If the choice were based on the works of the individual, then it would not be by the gracious purpose of him who calls. But since Paul himself is the very one who established that by faith is the very opposite of by works, looking at Romans 4, then by faith in no way contradicts what he says in Romans 9 and 11. It is crucially important to recognize that salvation by faith is in fact the very method by which God has chosen to establish salvation by grace and not by works, Romans 4.16, and thus to base salvation on the work and decision of God rather than any human merit or deserving. So the general point of this podcast wasn't to uh, necessarily convince somebody that maybe disagrees with me on how to understand uh, these terms and biblical passages or anything like that, or to cover them um, in depth in any way you could easily spend uh, the 30 minutes with this podcast end up being on each individual passage and still probably not cover everything that's inside of them. Um, but it more was just to present the ideas in a very simple, straightforward format, uh, mention some resources that I think could be helpful for people if they're interested in these topics of election, predestination, things of that nature. And then also to just bring them up in light of Arminian theology, um, because too often it is assumed or stated uh, directly that Arminians um, don't believe in predestination or don't believe in election, that too often the conversation is uh, worded in such a way that it's, well, one side believes in predestination, the other side believes in free will and things of that nature. But it's to say that these are, these are biblical terms, predestination, election, foreknowledge, uh, being chosen in Christ, all of that is are biblical things that um, as we study God's word, we have to understand them in light of the whole of scripture, that we don't get to just reject these concepts or ignore them because of certain connotations we think they may hold, but they are how God has revealed himself to us. And so it's our responsibility to dig into what God has revealed to us and try to understand it to the best of our abilities and um, do that in relation to the the whole of Scripture. And so that was the main point of this. Again, not to cover everything with so much depth and scholarship, but to present the ideas simply, kind of how I understand them, and get them out there for people to dig into and do more of their own research 
there are lots of resources out there for for good, solid biblical theology. And the ones that I mentioned today uh, being Robert Piccarelli's Grace, Faith, and Free Will and Leroy Forline's Classical Arminianism, I think are two great resources to understand what classic Reformed Reformation Arminianism teaches and believes. So with that, we're going to wrap up this podcast, and this is probably going to wrap up um, our discussion of Arminian theology, at least for a while, uh, in in detail like this. We're going to get back to discussing worldview and apologetic issues, which is more where um, my interest lies in that. But I wanted to cover just some foundational things of where I was coming from theologically. So that will be the end of this episode. I appreciate you guys checking it out. Remember, as you go out into the world, that Christ is King, Christ is Lord. He is the Savior of everybody. And it's our responsibility to share the gospel message because that's the power unto salvation for them. Go read the Word of God. Be blessed by the things that He's revealed to us through His written Word. 